Episode 8 of Glass of Joe is a go. I'm PJ Glasser, joined by my man Joe Malfa. Joe, we've hit the midway point here in July. Sports slowly approaching, but while we don't have sports, we did get some major news last week. Pat Mahomes breaking the bank, half a billion dollars. That's incredible. (laughs) A 10-year deal. You knew it was big when Schefter tweeted out that it was a 10-year, 400 $50 $50 million deal with incentives to get up to $500 million. And then he uh, was like, no correction on that. Like, that's truly what he's getting. I mean, for a football player to get a 10-year deal, we see those contracts in baseball with, like, some massive stars. But to see it in football, especially with the quarterback, I mean, that's, that's pretty rare. I don't think anybody questions paying him that amount of money. It's just that, you know, in football – the next play could be your last play. We know the NFL stands for not for long. And <laughs> you just wonder. There's a lot of different acronym meanings for it. The no fun league, not no for fun long. No fun league, not for long. So my question <laughs> for you is, we saw they were able to pay Chris Jones yesterday. I think because Mahomes is there, that guys will take pay cuts to play with him, especially on the offensive side of the ball, even on the defensive side of the ball, because they know they'll have a great chance to win. Do you think it was a good deal for the Chiefs, though, smart locking him up for that long, or would you have gone maybe a five, six, seven-year deal? So I I think, and again, look, the the nitty-gritty details on this deal and the Chris Jones deal are still very slowly trickling out. Like, you've seen some people question, you know, is there an out for Mahomes after a few years? Is there not? How much exactly is he guaranteed? How much is incentive? So there's still a lot of unknowns around the deal. I think that it was a very fair deal for both sides. If Mahomes went the full 10 years, he will ultimately end up underpaid. There's no question in my mind about that. Uh, you know, there's, there's some people who are questioning if he should have held out for more guaranteed money, if he should have used his clout to basically be like, no, this is going to be the first fully guaranteed massive deal in NFL history. Like, he could have probably done something like that. But anytime a guy signs a contract that could be worth with incentives over half a billion dollars, I'm not going to question his sanity. It's half a billion dollars we're talking about. But I I think as I've read up on it, more and more it seems that there is a legitimate out on his end after five years. This is five years into the extension. So he's still got two years left on his rookie deal. Mm -hmm. Again, that was something that should not get lost in this. His rookie deal is still intact. They didn't rip it up and already start the new one. Correct. He's got two more years on that. So seven years from now, because the two rookie deal years and then after the fifth year of the extension, there's an out. At that point, he'll still be in his prime right around that 30 number and ready for another big bite of the apple. Even if he goes to full 10 years, he'll be 36. You look at the deals that Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady have gotten at their advanced ages and Drew Brees, he still has another big bite of the apple. Obviously, he's got to stay healthy, but it's, it's a great deal for him. If he goes the whole way, he's making almost half a billion dollars. If he cuts it short after the seven-year mark, he gets another massive contract in his prime. So I don't think – while some people said he should have held out for something like more fully guaranteed money, I don't think there's really anything wrong with what he did. And, and it's a great deal for the Chiefs. The biggest thing for the Chiefs – and it, it's interesting that you bring up Chris Jones and his contract. The biggest thing for the Chiefs was getting him to agree to play out the last two years of his rookie deal – and then the extension kicks in. All the details on the Chris Jones deal have not come out either, but once they all come out, I guarantee it, I guarantee you 
there is an out of that contract after two years. They front loaded it. It's 60 million guaranteed, 37 million due at signing. They didn't really release the cap structure beyond that yet. So I guarantee you it's going to be similar to the Le'Veon Bell deal with the Jets, where after two years they could cut him because that timing lines up. After two years, Mahomes' extension kicks in. They're going to have less money and they're going to have to reshuffle the deck. But they're, because Mahomes kept his rookie deal for two more years and then the extension kicks in, they have two years where they are the team to beat and there's a decent gap between them and the next team because they were able to add Chris Jones. They still feasibly could trade for a Jamal Adams if, if they could make it work. They have still some maneuverability because the extension didn't kick in yet. So it was a home run for the Chiefs. They can go all out these next two years. It's a home run for Patrick Mahomes. If he stays the whole way, it's half a billion dollars. If he cuts it after seven years, he gets another big bite at the apple. Every party is happy in this. and it's, They've always been a match made in heaven. Pat Mahomes, Andy Reid, and the Chiefs, and, and this just continues their great relationship. I think the Chiefs are definitely the favorites. I think the Ravens are right there, too. I'm not being biased. I, yeah, just, I, I mean, they're no there. They're built for the next two, three years, too. What do you think is going to – how many Super Bowls, how many MVPs is Pat going to need to solidify this contract? When people look back, they're like, you know what? He was worth every penny that they paid him. I mean, you're asking the wrong person because as a Jets fan who hasn't seen them make the Super Bowl in my 22 and a half years on this earth, and my dad hasn't seen them either, and he was born in 1970 because they won in 1969, we would take one Super Bowl every 10 years. So if you're asking me, honestly, he got his one already. As long as they're competitive and fun for the next few years, that would be all right. But because obviously the expectations for them are so high, and the amount they're paying him, I would say he's got to probably give them two, two more Super Bowls to really oh, – and this is over the 10 years, not mm-hmm. two in the next five years before he gets out of the contract and gets a new one. Yeah. Two in 10 years to go with the one that they already have. So you're talking three in 12 years because the 10-year extension, again, is after these next two years. So if they're at three in 12 years – I mean, that's something that, you know, you can look at and, and ask for more. But at that point, you're just being greedy because then you've got people like me who exactly. and my dad, haven't even seen one. So if you can get three in 12 years, that's that's fair. People look at Brady and it's unfair. And they're of like, hey, the guy's won six Super Bowls. I, you know, why can't other people do that? And you look at some of the greatest quarterbacks of our time, Rodgers, Breeze, they only got one. one. Wilson's got one. Roethlisberger has two. But one of those – he had, I think, the worst passer rating in the history of the Super Bowl. Peyton had two, two, and his second one was not him. That was all exactly. Von Miller. So I agree with you. Two to three, I think, would solidify Mahomes. The comparisons to Brady that he has to win six or seven. That's a lot. That's excessive. Now, I'm not saying it's out of the equation that that happens. Right. I wouldn't at all be surprised if at the, at the end of the extension, if he plays through the whole thing, or again, whether it's, one contract or split up that into two. So 12 years from now, I wouldn't be surprised if we're looking at 2032 and, and seeing Mahomes with a full hand of rings, that would not surprise me in the slightest. I mean, for the next two years, at least while he's still on his rookie deal, they're the heavy favorites going into the season. He has played two years. His first year, they were overtime coin flip away from going to and probably winning the Super Bowl. His second year, they did win the Super Bowl. So logically, as long as health is there, 
they're going to be right in it this year, the following year, and every year after that. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think he has to get six like Brady that people are saying to make it value, to make it worth the, their money. But I think he can, and I would not bet against it. If you were telling me today, over under four and a half championships in the lifetime of this deal, what are you taking? Under. Under. I would say right at four, so I'd say under. That's why I set it at four and a half. <laughs> um, but I if think that's he the wins case, over if that's the, the next case, 10, I'd go that's five Super Bowls. If, yeah. if it's four, if it's the four that I would pick over the next uh, 12 years, that's five rings that he's got. Right. And, and then he would still only be 36, and you look at the couple that Brady won after that age. So he's going to be in that same conversation with the rings too. The big, the big thing to me will be during this deal is how good the AFC West will be. Because the reason Brady was able to win all those rings was he was able to get that by to go to the divisional round. He never had to go on the road. If you don't win your division, you got to play wild card weekend. And it hurts now that only the number one seed yeah. gets that by the two seed will have to play in wild card weekend. So to me, if the Broncos get good, if the Chargers are good, if the Raiders turn it around in Vegas, and that's a competitive division, and Mahomes has to play some of these playoff games on the road during the wild card, that'll definitely take its toll on him. That, that'll be big. Let me ask you, who do you think is the next superstar to maybe not get that kind of money, but will get a, a new mega deal? You're probably looking at guys like Giannis. Um, in baseball, maybe like a Juan Soto. I know Acuna just got paid, but just that kind of caliber player. I don't know. I see. It's it's interesting because that question kind of got tossed out now. Like, all right, will quarterbacks all of a sudden be wanting that deal? Like, no. I think there's going to be an understanding around among agents and GMs that a deal like that is reserved for one person and one person only right. until anybody else proves definitively otherwise and nobody else has yet proved definitively otherwise in baseball same thing with Mike Trout one Mike Trout and one Mike Trout only people might want to get towards his numbers but as we saw with Bryce Harper I guess his deal came after Bryce Harper's but nobody's even close to that deal so I don't think anybody's going to come close to that deal in football or basketball or MLB for quite some time as good as Juan Soto is he's not Mike Trout he's not even close to Mike Trout as good as he is uh yeah in basketball it's tough because you've got the the super max so you can't have a 10-year deal like you can in those um I but I think you can see Giannis get like the five-year equivalent of that and Probably he's like going to get the million a year or whatever yeah is. he's going to get the absolute super max uh, once it, it kicks in um it's tough. It's a really interesting question because maybe Luca. I mean, if he kind of, but again, NBA, NBA is tough because NBA is where that superstar power is in in greater droves. Right. But they have more limitations on it in the MLB. It's only Mike Trout. I mean, the closest thing we kind of saw recently was Garrett Cole, but even he didn't touch Mike Trout's deal. So there is only one Mike Trout. There is only one Pat Mahomes. I, I guess you're only looking at people to, you know, shoot for the moon, land among the stars. You're only going to get players landing among the stars. I think Sean Watson could land among the stars. I think Juan Soto will end up there. Uh, switching to the NHL, I mean, Connor McDavid, when he gets his new deal, he'll set the NHL equivalent yeah. of this. Now, granted, the money's a lot less in the NHL comparatively, but he'll set the NHL equivalent of this bar. But it, it's, it's an issue question because there are – 
are only deals like this only come around for a guy who has separated himself so much from the pack. And that's what Mahomes has done. Like I said, Deshaun Watson will get a big deal, not come close. Dak Prescott, I'm not too high on the guy. I put him behind a guy like Carson Wentz personally. Same. But he'll get a he'll get a deal similar. Russell yep. Wilson, at his age now, I don't know if he'll be able to get that kind of deal. Now getting towards the other side of 30 a little bit more. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's Pat Mahomes, it's Mike Trout, and then it's kind of the rest. Uh, and, and that's what it's going to be for the foreseeable future, despite some star power. But let me ask you this, though. It's been a question going around this week, Twitter, talk radio. Uh, in the NFL specifically, is the gap between Mahomes and the second-best quarterback bigger than the gap between the top player and second-best player at any other position? Mm, that is a good question. Um, yeah, I mean, the, if, if we're talking about the gap, the gap I, I would, one say, and two I would say probably yes. I mean, the first that come to mind are Aaron Donald and the next defensive tackle. That's that a big pop. gap. He, he just got his uh, fourth consecutive Madden 99 overall rating, and nobody else is close to that, if that means anything. Yeah, I mean, like, who's who would even be the best, best, second best? Second, Chris I mean, Jones, they, Calais Campbell. Like, I, I mean, there's guys in the conversation, but there's nobody who comes. That's close what to I'm Aaron saying. Donald. Now, if you start talking about are there guys at their position as good as Mahomes is at QB, I think that's a very oh good yeah. I, I, so that that in that conversation, I would say yes because Aaron Donald is a yes. Correct. Uh, I think Julio Justin, and Mike Justin Tucker. Justin Tucker is a yes. I was going to say the only one where the gap between one and two is almost as big as Mahomes in the second best is actually Justin Tucker. There is nobody else in the NFL that I would trust nearly as much as Justin Tucker. That's that's very true. Like I mean, I've had this conversation with people. I personally think that Mike Thomas and Julio Jones at receiver are just as good as what Mahomes is at. I mean, Mike Thomas, the guy yeah, and has 12, 13 catches a game, and you know yeah. where the ball's going. In that conversation, I would agree with you. But, again, as far as gap between one and two, yes, no, because no. those guys are right there. You could throw DeAndre Hopkins right in there. Right. So, so if it's the gap question, no. But as far as as good at their position as Mahomes is at his, those guys definitely fit the bill there as well. And, I mean, you kind of look around the league um, at corner – not really a guy who stands out that far above the pack. It's kind of a cluster. Uh, yeah, Gilmore's uh, probably one. And then after that, I mean, it's Tredavious White. Yeah. You can make, you know, I mean, there's a lot of guys that are like. So right there'll be some that. people who argue, and I'm sure our guest for the day, Tim Murray, would argue the same thing, that Quentin Nelson, that guard, is in that category no as question. far as a guard goes. Yes. I mean, you watch him. Nobody Ballin wants to line up. Dudes. He's the only he's the only dude in the league, I think, who could actually go toe to toe with Aaron Donald and live to tell the tale without any help. Uh, uh, so so he's in the conversation there. But yeah, I mean, it, it's running back. I wouldn't say there's really a guy who's head and shoulders. It's it's that cluster of yeah. McCaffrey, Saquon, and Zeke. Right. Um, yeah, it's it's really it's really it's only good. It's definitely Mahomes, teams. and then the quarterbacks and Donald and the defensive tackles for yeah, sure. And Justin because Tucker. And, and Tucker, Tucker and Tucker, no question. <laughs> because after those guys, you could make an argument for who two is right after. That. Yeah, and and the gap is wide. So yeah, I would agree with you. You just brought up Tim Murray. He's coming up next. Mahomes just got paid, Joe. Let's try and make some money ourselves with the great Tim Murray co-host of the Daily Line.
Joining us now, co-host of The Daily Line on NBC Sports Radio, our good friend Tim Murray. Tim, how's everything going? Oh, you know, we're all uh, living the same day every day, uh, <laughs> and we've all heard the same jokes, Groundhog Day, but uh, being being serious, uh, you know, everyone's healthy, so I think in, in these crazy times, it's all we can... Uh, it's all we can hope for. So, yeah, uh, all things considered, we're doing all right. Amen to that. Uh, well, Joe and I are happy to have you here. We're big sports betting guys, so we can't wait to see what you have to say. We're going <laughs> to touch on a bunch of different topics with you, a uh, bunch of questions on each sport to get your thoughts. But first, before we get into a betting question, we have to start with college football. And just with the news going on right now, I mean, how are you feeling about a season? Not great. Uh, yeah. you know, it's it's you know about a month ago um, I was I was feeling okay. You know I, I felt like a lot of us were seeing the the trends going in the right direction. We saw some schools you know returning to campus, and even if the numbers were you know they had a couple positive tests, they were doing the right things and quarantining, et cetera. But uh, certainly this past week. You know, Ivy League, Big Ten, uh, Pac-12, there's been a handful of other smaller conferences. You, you just kind of sit and, and hold your breath. Um, you know, I, ultimately, guys, I think it comes down to it's, I mean, football really has to happen for these schools. Uh, it is such a money-making operation. And in order for these non-revenue sports to survive, they need football. But that all being said, I mean, fans are vital to these schools, too. Uh, you know, you talk about um, 90,000 people mm -hmm. entering the stadium on a Saturday seven times a year. Uh, you know, the, the, the TV revenue for college sports, especially college football, is, is large, but the gates are vital, too. So, you know, I don't know if there's a perfect answer. I think it's a, a wait-and-see approach. I know that's kind of what the ACC is doing. Uh, they might wait till the end of July. The SEC, Big 12 are kind of holding back. But, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. And, and, and just these past day or two, guys, it feels like spring football has gained some momentum, which mm -hmm. I know will – you know, you think about some of the big names. I mean, none bigger than Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence, Clemson, and Ohio State, respectively. I mean, if you're those two guys, are you even thinking about playing spring football? Uh, I find it hard to believe knowing that the payday is right around the corner with the NFL. So uh, it's going to be there's, – there's no easy answer. I think football will happen uh, during the school year of 2021 and, or 2020 and 2021, but yeah. uh, your guess is as good as mine uh, how, how it's going to all look. Yeah, and, and I guess, you know, back when college, football, uh, college basketball was still around, everybody kind of looked at the Ivy League and was like, oh, what are they doing? Why are they canceling the tournament already? And then everybody else fell in line. So that's kind of something to look at now. They already moved to the spring. Will everybody else fall in line? The Patriot League already did at the time that we're recording this. Still the only other conference that has. But um, what we've been trying to do the last couple of weeks, maybe have a question or two at the top related to, to our circumstances, but then move past it, try to look on the more positive side. So if there is a season, uh, as far as betting goes, do you think people should – still go grab that line on on Sunday morning when it comes out that they like, or would you be more tempted to wait until the end? Uh, even if there is a really good early line, would you be more tempted to wait till later in the week just to see if anybody, God forbid, contracts it during the week? How would you approach that? Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. Um, you know, I would say don't even think about betting a future right now because, you know, we have no idea. And I, I wrote a, a column recently when the Big, 12, uh, Big Ten made their announcement 
um, that there will be no non-conference schedule. Well, there's no race to play a future on, on Ohio State. I mean, they are an incredibly talented team, went undefeated in the regular season last year. They bring back Justin Fields. He's the favorite to win the Heisman Trophy. But, you know, we don't know how things are going to be looked at. Now, ultimately, I think there's going to be some uniformity if we do play conference only, I think majority of these conferences will follow, fall in line and do that. But right now, I mean, there, there's no race to, to play in the future. To your point about uh, if we get a season and there's still some COVID out there, which is probably very likely, mm -hmm. even if we play it, I, I think, Joe, that's a great, great uh, point that you made um, because – I mean, I've heard other coaches talk about it. I think Brian Kelly was on uh, Scott Van Pelt's show saying, hey, you know, we're going to have to really roll with the punches next man up. You've heard all those cliches. But uh, if someone contracts coronavirus during the week, uh, you would hope that those schools are going to follow the proper protocol and pull that player out and put them aside for two weeks and make sure they're, you know, corona, uh, coronavirus free. So, yeah, I, I, I would not race to – lay a line and uh yeah. you know it's very rare that you can ever beat vegas to the punch but you know you, sometimes you can get lucky and you can see if someone contracts covid that you know maybe you, you get a better line but i mean it almost feels morbid to even talk about I know. <laughs> like hey all right you know the so-and-so got covid now i could get a better line so well, um, it's just crazy times we're even thinking about uh, with all of this. As you were saying that, I was what was going through my mind was, will people like try to grab underdogs on Sunday and hope that like the star player for the other team awesome. goes down? Like if you got if you've got a I don't even know if it's on the schedule, but if you've got like a Citadel uh, Clemson game and you know Clemson's roster were to get wiped out, does somebody grab the Citadel on Sunday and hope for that? Like that's morbid to even think about, but yeah, it's possibilities this year. Well, and think about what we're. I mean. It, in, in all likelihood, you know, the NBA, I know there's a couple COVID positives, you know, happening, but, you know, the theory of the bubble is once you're in the bubble, and we've seen it with the TBT, you know, no positive tests, you know, once you're in there, the thought process is everyone stays in, but I mean, you never know. I mean, they're down there for a long time. So, I mean, the NBA, I mean, who knows? I mean, once again, I hate even using an example, but, you know, Giannis gets COVID. I mean, the Bucks are a completely different team. LeBron right. gets it. The Lake, you know, they go down the list. I mean, I know Russell Westbrook uh, currently has it. Um, you know, in all likelihood, he'll be back in time for the start of the, this uh, the, the regular season down there. But yeah, I mean, it's an immediate two weeks out, right? I mean, so unless there's a false positive or whatever it may mm -hmm. be. So yeah, when it comes to the betting world, and once we get into uh, you know big time sports, you know, the NBA, NHL. Major League Baseball, the NFL. I mean, it, it's going to be fascinating on on so many fronts when it comes to what we what we're dealing with right now. And before we pivot to the NFL, a bit of a personal question for you: We've already seen the the Big Ten, Pac-12 already go to conference only schedules. You're a big Notre Dame guy, so yeah. do do you see if they if this goes on this way, will they play an all ACC schedule? And could this be the end of the malarkey of being just an independent? <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I don't think so. I think to your initial uh, question, I think the ACC has extended that olive branch. And I know David Cutcliffe came out and uh, was not really in favor of it. And, you know, my defense to that, and once again, I, I am a homer here, but I also <laughs> think about economics. You know, 
I went to the Duke Notre Dame game in Durham this year. It was a sellout in November. It was a prime time game. The following week, Duke hosted Syracuse and 16,000 people were announced for that game. So, you know, David Cutcliffe can say, you know, I, I don't understand why they do this. You know, it doesn't make sense for the conference, but you know, think about this since Notre Dame has had that agreement with the ACC, you know, Notre Dame, Florida State in 2014, college game day, incredible finish, controversial uh, with an offensive pass interference, but still college game day, primetime, Notre Dame, Clemson in 2000, what was that, 15, uh, you know, when Clemson went on to win the national championship, uh, incredible game in the rain, two-point conversion stopped, college game day again. I mean, there have just been multiple examples of both sides benefiting from it. Look, ACC, Notre Dame right, very much so benefited from this agreement, and they've joined ACC and all the other sports. But the ACC network, look, the ACC network is pretty darn happy that Notre Dame is a part uh, of the ACC for all the other sports, and they're going to play a game or two on that network. So, um, you know, ultimately, I think what happens is if this crazy season happens, Notre Dame will – do an all ACC schedule. Maybe they get to play Navy and then they'll fall back to, you know, what they've, what they've agreed to. And that agreement right now for football, I believe is through 2037. So, you know, I don't think that's going anywhere. And, you know, for the people out there, you know, saying that we'll just join a conference. Well, Notre Dame has no reason to join. I know. <laughs> because they made the college football playoff. Once Notre Dame made the college football playoff, then all, you know, then oh, they, they basically said, we're good. You know, we made it. We know what we have to do. There's a small margin of error for Notre Dame because they had to go undefeated in order to make the college football playoff two years ago. But, yeah, this year is going to be unprecedented. Uh, the ACC, I guess, in, in, in reality could have said, you know, you're not going to be a part of this, you know. But I think for business, it makes a lot of sense to extend that olive branch, allow Notre Dame to be part uh, of a unique circumstance and then go back to, uh, you know, what – ultimately will be a five or six game schedule every year. Tim, going now from college to the pros, who are one or two teams in the NFL that you like to go over their win total and a team that you maybe think will go under their win total? Um, just trying to think of some win totals off the top of my head right now. Um, you know, we did a thing for NBC Sports Washington, you know, right after the draft and uh, schedule wise, um, you know, the Ravens are in a pretty good spot. Initially, I thought, okay, this is a fadeable spot. You know, teams are going to get better. Uh, the Bengals are going to be down, I still think, even though, you know, you draft Joe Burrow. So I think there's the possibility of two wins there. Uh, the crossover, if my memory serves me correct, for the Ravens is the AFC East. Uh, the end of their schedule uh, includes Miami on there. Uh, there are some very winnable games. So if you just look at the way – Baltimore schedule sets up. It sets up pretty nice. You, you guys know the West. Like the, I think they're the, the West this year, but but still, the, the, yeah, the yeah, farthest West they go is Houston. So oh, yeah, oh, so the South. They're the oh, they South. play the AFC South. So I mean, they, yeah. they, there's just some you know winnable games there. So you know, I, I like the the over there if it stays at eleven. Um, you know, uh, a team. I mean, I like Arizona. I mean, I, I think that's kind of going to be a chic pick. Uh, I saw Cliff Kingsbury at like 40 to one to win coach of the year. Really? Um, you know, if it was a, a, a looks competition, I mean, it'd be a <laughs> runaway. I mean, my man, my man is suave there uh, sitting at his, 
this place with his feet up there in the NFL draft. But, I mean, they got some talent, man. And you think about the trade that they made with Houston to get Kyler Murray more weapons. Um, you know, they were able to get that uh, offensive tackle from Houston, uh, Houston University in the third round, I want to say. Um, you know, they have been able to acquire a lot of talented pieces down there in Arizona. So I forget what their win total is off the top of my head. but Seven and a half. Yeah, I mean, the tricky part for them is, you know, the NFC West is so stacked. I mean, right. the Niners are, have just gotten better. Uh, you know, you look at uh, you look at Seattle. Uh, they've been able to add some weapons for Russell Wilson to work with. Uh, so, you know, they are – they are a loaded, loaded division there. So that's the tricky part for, for Arizona. But, yeah, I, I, I do lean. I, I think a lot of people are going to be on them uh, this year. But I like the over there uh, when it comes to uh, Arizona. And I don't know, man. I mean, you look at the Redskins, I think the win total is at five. If you get it up to five and a half, I, I like the under there. You know, I've actually changed my mind on this. Uh, I know they've got a lot of young defensive talent. you got Ron Rivera coming in. Um, I mean, obviously, I said Redskins, they're no longer <laughs> that, so they got to deal with uh, everything uh, that's involved there. Um, I, I'm not anti-Dwayne Haskins. I think he showed some promise, but, you know, you hear the news of Kelvin Harmon going out. Um, you know, Terry McLaurin was very impressive as a rookie, but feels like they're going to be relying on him even more. You know, what are they doing at the tight end position? Uh, so I just worry about what weapons they have offensively you know, for Dwayne Haskins to use. Darius Geis is always hurt. Adrian Peterson's, a, you know, a million years old. Still trucking, uh, though. I mean, I, I, like, I like the pick of Antonio Gibson in the third round. And, you know, that could be a guy that they could utilize in some really unique spots, you know, put him out, um, you know, uh, as a flanker or whatever it may be. So that, the Redskins are a team that I would – if. If there is a five and a half out there, I would look pretty hard to look at the under. I know a lot of shops have it at five. So they're a team that I would be uh, be looking into potentially fading this year. What are your thoughts on Tampa? Because for me personally, I think they resemble a lot of what Cleveland was coming yep. into the season last year. You make the big free agent acquisitions with Brady and Gronk. You get everybody talking about you. And then we know the Browns missed the playoffs and we're an under 500 team. Do you see Tampa kind of going down that same road or you think with Brady at the helm that they live up to expectations? Yeah, they're a team guys that I certainly, uh, I, I hear that similarity and I immediately thought of it too. I mean, the difference obviously is you've got Brady. Tom Brady and not Baker Mayfield. You've got Bruce Arians and not, you know, Freddie Kitchens who looks like, <laughs> he, you know, just woke up. Um <laughs> That all being said, I mean, I, I think to me, guys, I, I see value um, in the, the New, uh, New Orleans Saints in this regard, you know, mm -hmm. because everybody's falling in love with the Bucks. You know, I, I understand they've got tons of offensive weapons down there. I mean, Tom Brady's numbers, like it, it, it's hard to fade Brady, but he's 43. You look at his numbers from last year, they were significantly down. Uh, Gronk didn't even play football last year. Um, so I, I like the, the Saints. I, I think you can get them at even money to win the NFC South. And I just, you know, I think, I mean, they, they signed Emmanuel Sanders. I mean, Drew Brees also a bit long in the tooth. And, you know, he dealt with an injury last year. I'm not buying in on the, the Taysom Hill train. But look, their backup quarterback is Jameis Winston, who, yeah. you know, all jokes aside, you could do a lot worse than Jameis Winston as your backup quarterback. Mm -hmm. 
And Sean Payton has certainly proven to be a bit of a, a QB whisperer with his backup. Teddy Bridgewater walks in and wins five games last yeah. year and then goes gets a pretty large deal from the Carolina Panthers. So, you know, I think about, you know, adding in a weapon uh, like Emmanuel Sanders, um, you know, to, to pair him up with, with everything that they've got already down there in New Orleans. To me, it's not more of a fade Tampa. I just think you can get New Orleans on a bit of sale to win that division because of the overwhelming love of Tampa Bay. So, you know, I'm not ready to say that Tampa Bay is going to miss the playoffs or, you know, be under 500, but I do think they will not win the division. And I think you can get a, a superior football team at a cheaper price than usually in the New Orleans Saints. Now, something that starts more immediately a week from when this releases on Thursday, on July 23rd, baseball's supposed to be back. And again, under the assumption that we're back uh, in a shortened season, do you almost kind of how we talked about college football earlier, do you look at some teams like the, the Padres or the Mets or some of these teams that might have good World Series value or good playoff value and take a chance on them because it's a 60-game sprint? Or do you stay away from futures entirely for baseball? Yeah, it's it's tricky. I mean, I played one future, bit of a homer future on the Nats. I saw them at 30 to 1, and I just played it because I said, I mean, with that starting pitching, I felt like, why not? Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the fascinating thing about this year is going to be that that start. I think the team, and I, I, I believe it was the Mariners last year who got off to a ridiculous mm -hmm. start. Yep. And they would have made the playoffs, I believe, through 60 games. They would have. And they ended so, up historically bad after that. Yeah, exactly. So, you, you, you know, I mean, obviously the, the, uh, the comparison is, you know, the Nats wouldn't have made the playoffs last year. So, yeah, I mean, who's going to get hot early on? Are young teams going to play well? I mean, you mentioned the Padres, Joe. Uh, Toronto's a team, too. Oh, yeah. And Toronto's going to be interesting because – uh, you know, I, I wrote something this week, uh, you know, from a report that was from Buffalo. They don't know where they're going to be playing their home games right sure. now. I mean, Travis Shaw was was kind of bent out of shape up there uh, talking about uh, the fact that they might not be able to leave the hotel uh, at Rogers Center. Uh, if, you know, if they do, they could be fined like $750,000 and put in jail. I mean, it's incredible. <laughs> I mean, I understand what they're doing, man. I mean, Canada's kind of controlled – uh, mm -hmm. this coronavirus and they don't want it, you know, messing things up. So, you know, where's Toronto going to be playing, but that all being said, they got a ton of young talent. Um, but that division is, is insane. Um, you know, you look at the Nats too, and you know, I think their win totals around 33 that jumped. Uh, I think they opened up around 31 in a lot of spots. The reason it jumped is because the Nats have a decent, have a favorable schedule. I mean, they get the Orioles six times and everyone else gets, they're, you know, the Mets get the Yankees six times. It's just two games, but still two games out of 60 could be very, very important. So yeah. you look at that there, um, you know, you still get the Marlins. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's going to be really, really tricky. I did play the under on the Orioles uh, for, uh. for all your <laughs> Orioles fans. I mean, look, man. It's not a bad play, Tim, honestly. I mean, look, they were 19-41 and 41 last year through 60 games. <laughs> Um, you know, I'm wishing, obviously, you know, every, every positive vibe in my body for Trey Mancini oh, to, to get better. Yes. Uh, and sounds like things are, are going well, which is, you know, we should all be thankful for. But he's not playing this year, and he's their best player offensively. Um, you know, they didn't really do anything 
to help that that rotation. And then, you know, I, the way I think about it this way, guys, with the Orioles is every team knows they have to beat the Orioles. You know, I mean, think about the AL East. You've got the Rays. They're a team that made the playoffs last year. The Yankees are expecting to win the World Series. Uh, the Red Sox are hoping to bounce back. The Blue Jays are a team that has high hopes with all this young talent. So that's their four. That, that's 40 games right there against those four teams. And then the NL East, you're looking at the Mets, the Phillies, the Nats, and the Braves. I mean, the NL East is completely up in the air. The only team that may be even on the uh, on the on the same level as them is the Marlins. And I've even heard some you know analytical people say that the Marlins could be a good value play, which I'm not buying. <laughs> I'm but not buying still, that one. I, mean, I I just I played I think under 21 or 21 and a half games, which seems crazy. But you know if the, if they uh, if they surpass that, I mean, good on you. I just think about. There's just no gimmies. They don't get to play the the Detroit Tigers this year. I mean, right. They have to play pretty much 56 out of their 60 games are going to be against superior teams. Yeah. And, and now as far Straight as point. the individual games go, and, and this is going to be a lot tougher of a question. You could punt on it if you want. Uh, as far as the individual games go, do you think that we're going to see run totals kind of come down as managers maybe micromanage because every game is so important? It's a great question. I, I don't know. I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of wait and see. My early inclination is the reverse, right? Because there's a designated hitter now in the National True. League. Mm. Uh, and also starting pitchers are not going to go deep in the games. I mean, these first couple of weeks are really going to be like spring training games. Now you could play the other side of the coin, right, and say, well, you know, bullpens – can dominate games. That's true, but not on a everyday basis. So my early thought was, I think the run totals might be up this year and the pitching might be down uh, because you're not, you know, coming out of spring training, normally you're going into cold environments, right? So the pitchers usually have the leg up. You see low scoring games. Now we're starting at the end of July. The ball is flying out of these ballparks, the majority of them. So my early thought was you're going to see higher run totals, but I mean, who knows? I mean, I don't know if you guys have been watching much of the MLS. I think, you know, early on yeah. I was listening to Taylor Twelman and he said he expects really high scoring games and it was the reverse. It was really low scoring games. So, I mean, who knows but my early inclination, you know, I think the, the over under in that Nats Yankees game is seven. My early feel is I would take the over. It's a high powered lineup with the Yankees you know, Garrett Cole is, you know, I think looked really good in, in his first couple scrimmage exhibitions, whatever the inner squad games. I mean, certainly he'll be motivated, you know, facing the team that eliminated them last year in the World Series. But, you know, my early, early, my gut tells me some higher scoring games, judging, you know, warm weather, uh, you know, pitchers not fully, fully amped up, um, designated hitter in both leagues. So that would be my, that would be my gut right now. Tim, over to the NBA now, how long are you going to wait to bet NBA games? I mean, how many games realistically do you think it'll take for people to really start seeing what these teams are looking like, especially just how much these lineups could interchange every every game? Yeah, I mean, I, I will say this before I get into games. I I, I feel like 
the cream's going to rise. I, I just, I still will stand by what I said all during the regular season. If anybody outside of Milwaukee or the two Los Angeleses win this thing, I would be stunned. Um, you know, I know LA is dealing with Rajon Rondo being out, um, but he's in all likelihood going to be back by the second round of the playoffs. And if the Lakers without, you know, their fifth or sixth best player can't get to the second round, well, they had bigger issues that yeah. we didn't know about. I mean, they'll obviously be without Avery Bradley, who hurts, uh, is good defensive players, but they, their backcourt depth is not really an issue. Um, but yeah, betting individual games is going to be really interesting. I mean, looking at the Western conference, right? You have 13 teams and you've got, you know, if hypothetically, you know, the Blazers lose three, four games out of the gates, guys, doesn't it feel like it's an immediate fade them because they're just going to be checked out? I mean, do you really anticipate, uh, you know, Damian Lillard after, you know, as being mathematically eliminated, still going to be motivated to play? Might not even play, um, period. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so, it's going to be really interesting to see those, you know, I feel like new Orleans is going to be hyper motivated. You know, they might be a team that uh, you might want to, you know, f uh, follow a little bit. I think Orlando could be a team too, that you're going to want to follow because they're going to want to do everything in their power to get out of that eight seed. Now they're only a half game back of the nets who are obviously just a complete disarray with everything they've had to deal with. I mean, I saw Michael Beasley just yep. tested positive. for Their band-aids are falling off now. <laughs> <laughs> it's unbelievable. I mean, I mean, I did make a bet, you know, before Bradley Beal uh, made his decision, which I totally commend, and I, I don't have any issue with him saying no thanks. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I made a bet at 11-1 to 1 that they would, you know, make it to the playoffs just because – I felt like the Nets were falling apart. And if Bradley Beal got red hot for two games against the Nets uh, in a play-in situation that, you know, why, why not? But now it seems a little bit trickier. But still, I mean, I'll be honest, man. I still think even though, I mean, without really anyone of note, the Wizards are an interesting team because if they just win, honestly, if they win three games – the Nets win one, you've got a play-in situation. Now, it still seems a bit unlikely. I mean, that's why it's a long shot. But, yeah, these individual games are going to be fascinating to see. And, you know, does a team like um, Philadelphia, who was historically bad on the road, does that trend follow them to technically road games because they're not in Philadelphia? I, I don't know. So, I, I'll be honest, I'll probably – wait back and watch these first couple games and, and see what's happening. And, and, you know, I, I, I kind of tend to feel that once we get to the playoffs, it's going to be pretty normal. Um, right. You know, these guys will get used to it. They're, they'll be back in shape. And these first eight games are going to be sloppy. They're, they're going to be really, really sloppy uh, for, for everybody. So um, it's going to be really interesting. And, I, and I'll say this too. I think, you know, teams like the Lakers and the Bucks they might be teams to fade because honestly, what are they playing for? True. The Bucks and the Lakers, I, I think off the top of my head, what the, the Lakers are five and a half up on the Clippers and the yeah. Bucks are six up on the Raptors. I think that's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Their magic numbers are two and three respectively to lock in the one seed. And then you're not trying to play for the number one overall seed. It doesn't mean anything. Um, so, you know, do they look at those games as preseason games? Do they rest LeBron? Do they rest AD? Do they rest Giannis? You know, 
I think once the Bucks and Lakers lock things up, and it might be early, I feel like that might be opportunities to look to fade those teams because who knows who they're playing. They might be playing a desperate team trying to eke their way in or, or jockey for position. So, yeah, th- th- those are a couple teams that I uh, would be curious about towards the end of that regular season. I know one thing that I'm looking to bet is whatever Jamal Crawford's point total is in every game, take the over. That guy hasn't played in how many – over a year and a half, I think it was. He's going to be 50, chucking. Dropped over 50 <laughs> in his last game. There's nobody else on the nets. He is going to shoot 40. Well, what, about, what about Karis LeVert? I mean, Karis True. LeVert had like 51 a couple games before uh, the shutdown happened. And now, I mean, obviously no Kyrie, no Spencer <laughs> Dinwiddie. Uh, no DeAndre Jordan. Uh, the list goes on. So, yeah, it might be a Karis Levert. Uh, he takes the first four shots and then Jamal Crawford yeah. chucks a couple. But, yeah, I, that'll be really interesting, Karis Levert's totals. Uh, I don't usually do a ton of, you know, player props, but I would look long and hard at Karis Levert because who else is scoring for the Brooklyn Nets? True. Other and, than your guy, yeah. Jamal Crawford. Yeah, and now lastly, I mean, you kind of touched on it already – that it's it's Bucks, Clippers, Lakers for you. Do you see any value bet that you're looking at at all, or is it just? Okay? I really don't. I I I don't believe in the Rockets uh, whatsoever. Um, you know, I, I will say this: the Raptors are a team that I mean, Nick Nurse has proven. Uh, I mean, look at what they've done so far. Nobody thought they would be this good. You know, with Kawhi Leonard leaving, so. Maybe the Raptors to win the Eastern Conference. I, I don't think they have enough firepower to pull off a stunner in two series over the Rap, over the Bucks, and then over Clippers or Lakers. Um, I, I just, I really do find it. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, the Celtics. You know, when you have a, a smaller guard like Kemba as your main guy, you know, in the postseason, that's pretty much been a historic no-no. Um, so I I would say the value play, if I had to pick one, I would trust in Nick nurse in that defense, you know, some of the, I mean, the, the preparation that they put in the game plans that they have. I mean, look, once again, you know, a curveball could be thrown at us like someone of importance, a Giannis, a LeBron, why someone like that, you know, contracting coronavirus. Uh, that that certainly could happen. I mean, that that is something that the world we're living in right now. Um, but if they, they I, I also have to feel, guys, that, you know, these teams, we haven't heard a word from the Bucks. you know. Yeah. Who, who've been complaining down there? You know, the Bucks are, they're just zippered up. Yep. And they're, they're not, to go. they know their eyes are on the prize. I think they have really good leadership in that team. Uh, from my understanding, very close-knit group. So, I don't think they're messing around. I think these better teams are not going to really fool around. They know they're there for business. They're trying to take care of things. So, yeah, I would be stunned if one of those three didn't win it. Uh, but if the Raptors made it back to the finals, I think that to me would be a, a, a the, the long shot I could see happening. And then it's not even that long. I don't even I mean, what is it? It's not that long. It's not even that long of a shot. Yeah. And uh, now just one quick golf one before we get to the two segments we like to wrap up with every week. Tiger's back this week, back on the prowl. And uh, are you looking at him to, to get started hot, or, or who's your pick this week at the Memorial? I, you know, I, I'll just say I, I, hope, I hope that Tiger is, it plays <laughs> well. I mean, he plays historically very well at the Memorial. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a jack force. I mean, he's, he's dominated there over his career. I mean, the dude hasn't played golf since, 
you know, that Peyton Manning, Tom Brady thing. So uh, I think I saw, what, 25 to 1 for him. Um, yeah, I – I need to – I haven't bet any golf yet, guys. I don't know if you guys <laughs> – Maybe that's smart. Tim, I love betting the golf. I feel <laughs> – I'm, I'm like Doug. I fill my uh, DraftKings lineup out every week, man. Shoffley's my pick this week. I love – Shoffley's my guy. Yeah. Peter, you're spoiling the later, the later part I, of our show. I know, <laughs> but Shoffley, I just – the memorial, it's like a DeChambeau, Cantlay, like that kind of golfer. Shoffley fits the mold, and I like yeah. him a lot. Yeah, and DeChambeau, you know, won last week. I, I'd seen so many people backing him these first couple of weeks, so he finally yeah. got it done. Um, I, I hope, man, it would be great thinking about, you know, his first tournament back if he's in one of those final groups. You know what I did bet real quickly, because I know I could see the clock there. We're running out of time. <laughs> um, I did bet the Celebrity Golf Tournament a little bit. Because wow. I was out there last year, and you know, I, I didn't, I didn't bet Marty Fish to win it. I wrote an article saying he's a good value, but I faded Steph Curry a bit because even go, though man. he played great, he's just so people beef him up so much. So right. uh, I, I put a little dabble on the uh, American Century Championship, which was, which is fun to watch. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I wanted to get out there for sure. Oh my Tim, God, it is it is unbelievable. It is oh, it, spectacular. It looks, it looks amazing. As Joe was saying, we end all our podcasts with our guests. Two final segments, the Swift 7, seven rapid-fire questions for you. Anything goes. And then we got a trivia question for you at the right. end that we think you'll enjoy. Question number one for you, what do you enjoy betting more, March Madness or bowl season? Bowl season. Favorite Notre Dame football player ever? Ooh, uh, Rocket Ishmael. Sports venue you want to get to the most that you haven't been to? Uh, it would have happened this year, uh, Lambeau Field. Mm. Uh, I was all set to go. Notre Dame, Notre Wisconsin, Dame Wisconsin, October 3rd. And uh, hopefully it will happen at some point. Uh, by the way, I do. I did name my dog Manti after Manti Teo. Okay. So <laughs> All-timer, it would be Rockfish now. Uh, favorite sport to watch? College football. All right. Uh, best tailgating snack? Ooh. I am – I'm a big dips guy, not a, not packing a lip, uh, dip. <laughs> you know, any dip you throw out there, you, you give me, so I'm a big chips and dip guy. So you put that out there with, uh, with a nice cold beverage. You know, you said snack now, yeah, you know, snack. you get something on the grill. It's a That's little different. bit different. That's a meal. Snack, That's a meal. You know, salsas, a nice dill dip. Yeah. Give me any of those nice queso like dip, guacamole, anything. Just give me a plate of dips. All right. Good. Uh, Pat Mahomes could buy a lot of dip with his new deal. Yes, underpaid, did. overpaid, or justly paid? Uh, I think ultimately underpaid. It's crazy to say that half a billion dollars is <laughs> underpaid, but uh, you know the trajectory right now. I mean, look. I mean, they were they were able to still pay Chris Jones. I mean, they they have figured it out. So yeah. uh, you know, I'm never going to knock a guy for signing a. $500 million contract, yeah. but if you really wanted to get more guys, who the hell knows where the cap's going to be at in 10 years. So yep. ultimately long-term, you know, at the end of that contract, if this trajectory continues, we're going to be looking at his contract compared to everyone else in the league and say, wow, Patrick Mahomes is only making 40 million a year compared to this quarterback who's making 50. So uh, as crazy as it sounds, I think a underpaid. bit underpaid when you look at it in its entirety. All right, last one before the trivia question. We got the, the, the clock ticking down. <laughs> question seven of the Swift Seven, you made it through. Are parlays for suckers? Yes. 
<laughs> yes. Easy. I like yes. it. <laughs> All right, Tim. The trivia question. We'll go in your wheelhouse here. Uh, it's 90 seconds on the clock or three strikes. Okay. Can you name the five most recent Notre Dame football players taken in the first round? And we'll give it to you if you could give us four of the five because I know when me, me and PJ were going through this, we, got, we both got stuck on one. So if you could give us four right. of the five most recent Notre Dame players taken in the first round, and your time starts now. Okay, so uh, it was uh, in 2018. Oh, man, I'm going to forget his name. So you got Quentin Nelson, you got Mike McGlinchey, McGlinchey yep. of 49ers, Nelson to the Colts. Correct. Um, uh, Jerry Tillery went to the Chargers. Correct. Um, and then I'm trying to think prior to that. Um, all right, I got three of them. Um, ooh. Think offensive linemen. 30 seconds. So you got 60 left. Plenty of time. Oh, oh man. This is great. Podcast. Well, I got to get one more. I, I got to get one more. Um, 2017. Uh, Ronnie Stanley, was he one of the last ones? Correct. Ronnie Stanley to the Ravens 2016. Yep. The last one was was Will Fuller. I didn't Will realize Fuller, he Texans. was that. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. I thought he was 2014 or 2015, but he was 2016 in Houston. So yeah. well done, Tim. Well done. You know, the media people haven't been doing so well. I know Tim Kirchin didn't get his right. Joe Beninati didn't get his right. Chris Miller last week didn't get his right. So I think you're the first media guy to actually get his question right. Yeah, you put it in my mouth. So, so. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I uh, yeah, Will Fuller. He was he was traded. I think the Texans traded up with the Redskins to get him, uh, and then yeah, the remember. following pick was uh, Doxon. Oh yeah. yes, yes. Now mm-hmm. I do remember. There you go. Because Doxon's a Jet now. So I remember diving into that a couple of weeks ago, or a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago. Now when they signed him, time has been one warped circle in the last couple of months but we can't thank you enough for taking the time with us glad to hear that you're doing well your family's doing well and we hope to have some brighter days in the near future where we can worry about betting and rather than a lot of the other troubles in the world right now no doubt about it boys well appreciate it pj joe you guys keep it up man thanks tim appreciate, appreciate it, man. it take it easy stay safe see you guys that was Tim Murray of the Daily Line, our good friend who we run into at NBC Sports Washington. Great to – it's nice seeing these guys again. I love you know, talking. Chris Miller, Tim Murray, <laughs> guys we, we take for granted that we saw at the halls of NBC Sports Washington that we get to see again. Tim, man, you give him a question and he runs with it. Oh, That's yeah. what I love about him. He's got so much insight. And I thought the baseball conversation was great. Mm-hmm. When we were – coming up with questions to ask him. I was really interested to see what he, his thoughts were about futures, what his thoughts were about run totals. And, you know, he makes, he makes some interesting points. I mean, if you want to take a gamble on maybe a team or two with the future, it doesn't hurt. But at the end of the day, with so much unknown, I, I kind of would have to agree with him that I, I'd kind of just wait to see how the season plays itself out and kind of just reevaluate in the postseason and pick a team that you like when it comes to that. Yeah. I mean, we've been trying, we've been waiting for an episode to get somebody who's a sort of betting insider on as we got closer to the restart of sports. And thankfully Tim obliged because it's, it's so interesting now just how differently people could look at certain situations now and how much is up in the air, you know, like we were talking about with him on the one hand, okay, maybe you steer clear of futures because everything is such an unknown. Uh, could, you know, knock on wood, God forbid, could LeBron come down with the virus during game six of the conference finals against the Clippers? And now, 
your future win uh, bets are out the window because he's gone for two weeks. So he's going to miss game six, game seven. And if they still advance, he's gone for the finals. So do you steer clear of futures for that reason? Do you steer clear of MLB futures? Because while the Yankees and Dodgers are the clear favorites, if they get three injuries that are 15 day IL, well, now that's a quarter of their schedule where they're missing their stars. Mm -hmm. Uh, But on the flip side, like we mentioned the Padres and we mentioned, he mentioned the Nationals who we've talked about. I don't like the Nats personally this year. I think they're due. It's perfect storm for a letdown, all the circumstances, shortened season. But anyway, uh, Padres, Nats do have value. The Mets have great value. Do you look at one of those teams and say, eh, it's 60 games. Stranger things could happen. Expanded postseason. Why not? Uh, it's, there's just so many ways to look at it. And I'd probably be of the school of thought where I'd st- I generally steer clear of futures unless there's a team that you really, really like the value. I agree with Tim that there's nobody in the NBA whose value I really like. I think it's going to be one of those three teams that wins the the NBA title. Two LA teams are the Bucks, maybe the Raptors, but again, not great value. But in baseball, like I'm not going to go run to a window. I guess you probably don't really want to run to a casino right now, given the circumstances anyway. I guess you're looking to go online, but I wouldn't, run to cash any bet on the Yankees or the Dodgers because yeah. there's you're not really getting any juice with them and they, it's a 60 game sprint like you just don't know if Garrett Cole and Aaron Judge who's already having a stiff neck problem and Giancarlo Stanton all go down on even again even if it's only the 15 day IL you're missing a dozen games now on a 15 day IL whereas maybe in a normal year you miss six or seven with off days and, and travel days and stuff. So it's, I, I would steer clear unless there's somebody you really like to value on. Like he mentioned the nationals, he got at 30 to one or whatever it was. Uh, but it's, it's really interesting on how people are going to look at this next two months or so, because after five months of not really being able to bet on anything, except for, for the last couple of months, European soccer, UFC and NASCAR, everybody's going to want to go throw money at a window. Yep. But it's really not that wise to do. It. It's, yeah. it's, you got to be very smart with it. I agree. I think if you're going to bet a future, I would lean towards betting the under for a team's win total for everything you just said. There's almost too much that has to go right for teams, especially of the Yankees and Dodgers and Astros and those teams of their caliber for them to hit their win totals. And like you said, if guys get sick and they're missing – 10, 12, 15 games, you just don't know how that's going to affect it. The more he talked about it, I, I really do like the Orioles under. I thought he brought yeah. out some great points about how teams look at the Orioles and they're like, we, we have to beat them in a 60-game season. We just have to. And it's tough to bet the under on an MLB team to lose you know, a third, two-thirds of their games, but – I, I think it's a pretty good bet. I'm with you. I, I would steer clear futures, but if you were to bet them, I would lean towards betting the under on teams' futures. Yeah, and, and I think uh, the other conversation that I really enjoyed with him was the, the conversation about MLB run totals. Mm-hmm. You and I, when we were kind of prepping for this episode, the reason we phrased the question the way we did, we thought he would and many people would be on unders for yes. run totals because you think of the postseason when it's, where managers micromanage things and uh, you can see that now because every game is so important, but he's totally right. I didn't even look at it that way with the DH in both leagues. That changes how you will look at the NL 
the weather. I did not. The that's weather. Great point. It I did is. not think of that. I at did not either. All. The nope. reason why pitchers are able to dominate a bit at the beginning of seasons typically is because it's cold in a lot of exactly. places. Ball doesn't carry, but it's the end of July. Who knows what the MLB has done to juice the baseballs this year to make it a really exciting 60 games. So really, run totals definitely go, you would think, the over end, especially in that opening weekend with the, the Nats and, and the Yankees where both teams have really high-powered offenses. And granted, it's Scherzer and Cole. But if there's ever a time where Scherzer and Cole might be off their typical dominant self, it's going to be game one after having a shortened summer camp and now in this crazy season. So mm -hmm. definitely looking at the overs for run totals rather than the under. That, that really changed my mind on that. I really am happy that I talked to him before I started Same. doing anything stupid. <laughs> I, I was totally – I'm watching MLB Network and listening to like Harold Reynolds and Al Leiter and, and some of these guys, and they're like, you know, I just think there's going to be a lot of – low scoring games early on guys just get readjusted to simulated game action he thought pitchers were going to have the upper hand but I'm with you the weather totally changed I mean that was a great point I just think of like Coors Field in July and August and how the ball is going to be flying Cincinnati and their small ball park with the heat Yankee State you know all these places um and I I thought that was a really good point that he brought up I still probably will lean unders in a bunch of games, but maybe not as much as I would um, because of the DH as well in, in both leagues, probably leading to higher scoring games. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, it's, it's something where I looked at it and said unders, but with what he said, you, you got to think over. But the, the main thing I think to draw from the conversation, whether it's NBA, NHL, MLB, uh, if it's, if we're talking, you know, getting into certain soccer and whatever the case is, give anything a couple of weeks before you do anything stupid, yes. because there's definitely going to be an adjustment period. Uh, there's going to be probably more upsets than usual, more wonky sort of uh, results than usual in the first week or two. Like me personally, I'm not touching anything in the NBA until probably the playoffs, the second, no, the, I'll probably give it to the second week of the the rest of the quote unquote regular season, just because then, you know, like he was saying, we'll, we'll kind of have more of a focus on, all right, who's going to maybe start wrestling players. Are the Blazers done where Damian Lillard stops playing? Uh, do the Wizards still pedal to the metal because the Nets are losing? You can start looking at situations and who's going to take it seriously. Uh, but yeah, it's take everything with a grain of salt early on because you don't know what's going to be up and what's going to be down and we'll, you're gonna try to be. You're gonna try to find your way through the darkness a lot because there's not gonna be a lot of light shed on on what is actually going on in such such weird circumstances. No doubt. And one thing that we don't have to wait to bet that'll be going on tomorrow. Something I'm very looking forward to. The <laughs> Memorial Tournament. Um, one of the best tournaments of the year, but it's just one of the best non-majors of the year every year. They're playing at Jack's Place in Dublin, Ohio, right outside of Columbus, and. Joe, what's so fascinating about the Memorial this week is the fact that they just played mm -hmm. at that golf course last week for the Workday Charity Open at Muirfield Village Golf Club. They adjusted the greens. They made them not as firm and fast. They made the rough a little bit thicker this past week. So the course will be a little bit different. But again, you know, guys are getting used to holes and maybe where they're going to put certain pin locations and all that stuff. If you are betting this week the Memorial, are you really valuing 
how Justin Thomas did last week, Morikawa, Victor Hovland. Are you coming right back with those guys, or are you just totally having a clean slate this week and treating the Memorial as if this is the first time guys are playing it? So I'm looking at it kind of as a hybrid of what you said. The, the guys who we look at as the better golfers in the world, the more consistent golfers in the world, like the Justin Thomases, I'm putting stock into those guys continuing the success they had from last week. Now, some of the guys who were, you know, you look at the leaderboard and you're like, who the heck is this guy after like sat after midday Friday who might, maybe they just happen to have a good week. I'm not really putting any stock into them having a carryover because anybody could have a good week at any time. Mm -hmm. So as far as the guys who are less consistent, who might've been towards the top of the leaderboard last week, I'm not putting any stock in them as far as, oh, this guy's a great value pick at like 75 to one because he came in like eighth last week at the same course. No, not at all. Because again, there's a level of consistency that the top guys have that those guys don't. So, but I do put a lot of stock into Justin Thomas and Morikawa based on the way they played last week, particularly Justin Thomas. He's been in the thick of a few of the tournaments that have taken place since the PGA tour returned. Same course back to the kind of laser focus on it being a bigger tournament and not just some, you know, a run of the mill casual tournament that happens obviously between the big ones. The Memorial is one of the biggest non-majors laser focus was just there last week. He's actually my pick to win it this week. I think I've gone with him three times now during you the just podcast. Pick chalk every week. I, it's either but, Thomas or Kepka. Well, see, I don't, I don't like to pick chalk when there's really no value uh, like last week, or was I'm getting my weeks mixed up? When DeShambo just recently won, right? Last week, am I mixed? Uh, I moved last week, and everything. <laughs> two weeks everything, ago. Two weeks ago. Okay. Yeah. Um, oh yes, the Morikawa won last week. When it was two weeks ago, when DeShambo was like plus three fifty going into the week and won. Like I'm not going chalk with that, sure. but quote unquote chalk with JT this week, you get him in fifteen to one in some places. So that's got pretty good value to yeah, me. Um, definitely staying away from Tiger. I know. I think he's. When I last checked, he was at 25 to 1, which put him at sixth, uh, sixth in, in terms of the odds. Yeah. Uh, rust is going to be a thing. I'm sure he's been playing on his own. He likes jack courses. I'm sure he's, I've seen videos of him playing with his son while he's kind of been away. So I don't think he's going to be too, too rusty, but there's going to be some level of rust. And I, I could see that being a, the sucker bet of the week, seeing Tiger's name yes. at six best odds, being like, oh, I can get Tiger at 25 to 1, but it's, it's going to be throwing money away. I don't. I would love to see him come out and win this week as a Tiger fan, but I, I don't think it. I see it happening this week. And he's playing with McElroy and Kepka. so for the first That's couple of days, you've got some right great there. theater to watch there. You do. I'm with you. Uh, Tiger's won the Memorial four times, but this is the first event back that mm -hmm. he's played since the restart. Uh, I'm truly not expecting much. He might make the cut. He could be in contention. I think Thursday. he'll make the cut. Yeah, he could be in contention Thursday, maybe even Friday, but come the weekend, I just think with the rust, he, you know, the the field is just too strong. I mean, this is this is like a major championship field that mm -hmm. they got this week with guys just wanting to play in the memorial. And that's why I go more chalk with JT because you you look every year at the majors, Brooks Kepka's a lock to be top five. JT's a lock to be top five, top ten. Uh, Dustin Johnson's a lot to be top 10. So when it's, when it comes time for the big tournaments, these guys are locked in and it's as tempting as it might be to not go chalk and get value. I still look at 15 to one as good value. And it's, 
in, in these situations, that cream always rises to the top. So plus the did well he, there last week. The way he lost last week. Exactly. I mean, he blew a three-shot lead with three holes to play. And knowing the competitor that Justin Thomas mm-hmm. is, that won't sit well with him. Exactly. And the fact that he gets to play at that same course, it's not if like – It was a different course, think, different story. But same it, course – Exactly. He doesn't have to think a year, uh, you know, he, a year doesn't have to go by where he's like, oh man, I'm back here where I blew a three shot lead. You're coming right back to the same mm-hmm. course. Thomas is going to be really interesting to see how he plays. I'm big on Xander Shoffley this week. He hasn't been in contention since the Memorial or excuse me, since Colonial, the first uh, tournament back. He shot a quiet 10 under last week had a top 15 finish. I believe I, I think you look at the Memorial, as I said with Tim when we were talking about it a little bit, it's always the guys like DeChambeau and Cantlay, not the Justin Thomases and the Kepkas and the Rorys of the sport. It's like the tier right underneath, and Shoffley fits that mold. I like him a lot. I like Kepka a lot, too, this week. I think because it's a big tournament, Brooks usually plays his best in those big tournaments with four par fives on the course, chance for Eagles. He obviously hits it long. I think he, he could have a nice bounce back week, but Shoffley is my pick 25 to one. I really feel good about Xander this week. Yeah. I saw him right on the list, right around Tiger. So that's, yeah, that's, that's not a bad play at all. And yeah, he's, you've got some guys who have looked particularly better than others since the, the return to, to play happened. And there's been a couple of tournaments, like you said, where you look at him and you go, all right, he's, he's playing some good golf right now. So that's not a bad pick at all. And Hey, we've mostly been, in and around the top 10, top 15, yeah. except for that one week where both of our guys missed a cut. So, you know what's funny, okay. too, is last week we actually didn't talk about the Workday Charity mm-hmm. Open, but in my DraftKings lineup, I had Morikawa oh, oh, sure. on there. Sure, that's what you tell people. I won 20 bucks, I swear <laughs> to God. I had a great week. It was awesome. All right, so as we end all our podcasts, where would you go, Joe, and trivia question for each other. Joe, I got to say, I think this is the best where would you go, Joe, especially for the middle of July. I wasn't expecting much, but you got a nice little smorgasbord of like a bunch of different things. I did cheat and I looked ahead. There's only there's only one out of the four that immediately I eliminate. Okay, so we'll see. We'll see which one you go with. Uh, Answer choice A, Roger Federer defeats Marion Cilic for his eighth Wimbledon title. I forgot to write the year down as I'm looking at it here. I believe... (laughs) It was around 2016, 2016. It was relatively recent. It was recent. Yeah, I remember. Uh, Choice B, 2013 MLB All-Star Game at City Field. As a Mets fan, I know that one might have been near and dear to your heart. I put that in there. Answer choice C, 1941 on July 16th, Joe DiMaggio goes three for four and extends his hit, hit streak to 56 games. It still stands to this day. And answer choice D, you get to attend the 2003 ESPYs, get to meet all the celebrities, walk the red carpet. So where do you go, man? So the one that I immediately eliminate, immediately eliminate gosh, that, that was in English what I just said, uh, is actually A. As much as, we've been wow. talking, as much as we've been talking about how much we enjoy Wimbledon and how historic it would be to probably be there, that's one where I look at it and say, all right, Federer, one is eighth. He has how many of them? It's not really special. Almost like a couple weeks ago. Um, I, was it a couple weeks ago? 
we talked about a, a Rafa Nadal yeah. French Open one. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm losing. I've totally lost track of, of the weeks because I went from three weeks where I didn't have to know what day it was to now back into a routine at work. So whatever episode it was that we talked about <laughs> Rafa Nadal winning a French Open title, that's really not special to me. In the same way that Federer winning his eighth is not really special to me. If it was one of the classics against Nadal or Djokovic, different story. But he, it was against Chilich. It was a, a lesser marquee matchup, and it was his eighth. So that's the one. As much as we've been saying we like Wimbledon, I cast that one aside. The ESPYs is really interesting because you get to meet a lot of people at the ESPYs. So I'm that saying. one, that one was up there. I'm gonna say no to that one though. As as enticing as that one was to meet all the celebrities and kind of be as part of that glitz and glam red carpet thing. No for that one. B and C, it's a really tough call because 2013, the buzz and excitement around that all-star game was incredible because that was, started. that was, yes, that was when <laughs> Matt Harvey was at his peak. He came out there and started that game. I remember being at the fan fest uh, for, for that mm-hmm. all-star game. My dad's company helped put it together. So I got to get into there for, with free tickets and that was a blast. And, uh, I, I think I got autographs at that fan fest from Cliff Floyd, Cal Ripken Jr. Wow. Um, uh, who else was it? Uh, Juan Marichal. He was at the one in D.C. And, was he? At, and yeah. I, I can't remember the other two now. Um, I think it was maybe Garvey and uh, there was one more. But uh, I, I, it was, that was a blast. And the game itself, again, with, with Harvey on the mound, that's enticing, but I have to go with C. 56th wow. game of the streak. That's the one I go with. 56th game of the streak. Uh, um, if, it was, if you were asking me this question on July 15th, 1941, I probably wouldn't have said it because at that point, DiMaggio had the record, and it's just kind of like see how long it goes. But knowing what we know now in the year 2020, that no one's even come close mm-hmm. to this, and it was the last game of the streak, I, have to, I would want to say that I was there the day that he extended it to 56 before the streak ended, a record that stands to this day. And as, as you go around sports and look at records that will probably never be broken, I think this is up there as one that will probably never be broken. So I think it would be really cool to be there that day. I thought that was going to be the last one you were going to choose. Really? Yeah, I, I got to go with Fed. I understand really? your, okay. your reasoning, but the eighth was – that was the record breaker. It was. Just to be there for that must have been pretty cool. The ESPYs was a close second because, I mean, anybody who's in anybody is showing up yeah. to that thing. So that's – I mean, that, that, was tough. that was tough to pass up on. Did you ever play uh, Beat the Streak? I did, Beat yeah. The, I, I, the highest I ever got, I think, was 22. I think I was right around there too. Yeah. Just how hard that game is to pick a guy every day to get a hit shows how much (laughs) guarantee it's not happening this year, because if it happens this year, someone's almost having a hit streak for the entire season. That's very true. (laughs) Very true. Watch it happen this year. That would be, that would be very fitting. Um, All right. Trivia. You got yours last week. You're up two to one. Um, Do you want to go? Do you want me to give you the question first because you're leading? Uh, I would actually like to give you the question. You okay? Go ahead. Because I am leading, and I want to see if I could expand my lead to two, or if it's still gonna uh, if if I got to defend against a tie. Uh, You're an O's fan, so this one's gonna be up your alley. Mm. In the decade from 2010 to 2019, Mm -hmm. they had eight unique pitchers start opening day. Wait, let me just one, two, three, four. 
five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Okay, they had eight unique ones because one player repeated three times. Yep. I want you to give me five of the eight unique opening day starters for the Orioles from 2010 to 2019. You ready? Yep. Go for it. All right, Chris Tillman. That's the one that happened three times. That Dylan was Bundy. That's two. Uh, Kevin Millwood. Uh, yes, that is three. You got two to go. Um, let's see. So 2010s. Wayne two to go. Chen you still got a minute 15. Wayne Chen might have started opening day. Miguel Gonzalez was up there. Um, I'll go Wayne Chen. Uh, that is incorrect. Strike one. All right. Who are the three you said again already? Millwood, Tillman, and uh... – <laughs> You say Guthrie? Bundy, Bundy, Bundy. Oh, Bundy. Oh, Gosman? Kevin Gosman? Gosman is one of them. All right. And uh... let's see. Thank God you didn't hear what I just said because I, I thought you said someone else. Oh. And I actually literally just said it. No, I, I didn't hear it. Oh, my <laughs> God. We said the two guys that we said at the same time. You've got 30 seconds left. You've got to give me one more. Let's see. I mean, it's got to be from those. Jason Hamill? Jason Hamill is one of them. You got it. With 20 seconds to spare, and we're back to being tied. I just, as you said, Bundy, as the one that you said that I forgot who you said, I said Guthrie. So we said it at the same time, so so I thought I gave it away. But from 2010 on, on, it was Kevin Millwood, Jeremy Guthrie, Jake Arrieta, Jason Mm -hmm. Hamill, triple Chris Tillman, Gosman, Bundy, and then last year, Andrew Kashner. Very nice. Okay. Sweet, sweet. Good. Tied up at two to two. For you, since we got the memorial this week, we haven't had a golf question. I'm going to give you golf trivia. Not too hard, though. I mean, yeah. I know that, you know, kind of my golf. hockey is your golf. Yeah, exactly. I was just going to say that because up until like three or four years ago, I was only like majors, majors, majors. And until the last three, until I was in college, really, I didn't start watching kind of everything else. So, relatively new if you're asking me who won the memorial in like 07 i've got no clue (laughs) well your question is fairly simple just tell me the four golfers who won the majors last season oh okay go ahead um last season you know this is harder than it it gets made out to be i know it i know it is Ah. all right brooks kepka that's one um Tiger Woods won the There's won the two. Obviously. Those are the easy two. <laughs> okay. Masters and PGA Championship. So we're going to England. And uh, wait, what was, where was the other one last year? The uh, – oh, well, I'm not going to tell you that. That'll give, that might help. Oh, uh, that might give it away. All right, all right, all right. How much You're time do I got? 35 seconds, 55. I'm not going to get this. Um, uh, this is, this is a harder question than you make it out to be because you remember the, the Kepka performance. You remember um, – oh, wait, hold on. I can picture him. I, uh, the U.S. Open last year. Kepka was in contention. He lost it, though. Yep. Um, 55 seconds. Oh, I'm blanking on his name. He looks like Kepka. Um, 30 left. Oh, it's going to kill me. I, when you say his name, I'm not going to be that disappointed in myself because I'm not going to get the fourth one. But when you say his name, I'm going to be disappointed because I know who it is. I can picture him. And I remember watching that tournament. Um, 
15 left. Uh, that's it. I'm done. I'm done. done. I'll, I'll tap out. All yeah. right. Well, I'll give you the one you, you said you wouldn't have gotten. The Open Championship was Shane Lowry. Okay. I had no chance at that one. Okay. At Royal Portrush. No, no, no. And then U.S. Open was Gary Woodland. Gary Woodland. Oh, my God. I couldn't think of his name. I, I was watching that one because I had – I think I hit Kepka on the live line on Friday when it was still valuable. Mm-hmm. And I was watching until the end because he made that really late push. And I remember my dad came in the living room and he was watching Woodland and he thought that that was Kepka. And then that's when I realized that they actually look kind of alike. So yeah. <laughs> I couldn't think of his name though, but that's, that's, that's a good question. I like that. All right. So we're back to tied up. Back we're back to, tie to up it too. Two, two for eight, both of us, not two great, but you know what? We're giving each other good, hard questions. We're not making this easy. Not making it easy. So next week we'll, we'll try and make it three for nine. Hopefully yeah. we got uh, great, some great guests coming up. Uh, here to end the month of July, we got sports slowly working their mm-hmm. way back. Hopefully, Memorial. Hopefully, this is, this hopefully is, this is like the last episode where we, where we really have to like kind of grasp for topics yes. and like spend longer than we needed to on the homes, spend longer than we needed to on betting, Just spend longer than we needed to on golf. Sports. Exactly. Yep. We could finally talk live stuff from the four major sports starting after the next episode because the next episode comes out on the 23rd when baseball starts so after that we will have live sports we'll have our baseball preview next week you know breaking it all down what'd you think of the new setup you like your new uh i do i mean i mean it's 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 i know i like i like the board in the back with i do i'm gonna have i have this has potential to to do stuff every week kind of like a woody page sort of thing um but you know i like it i'm kind of getting used back to used to being here bring me back to my uh bring me back to my college days like (laughs) when i would write on my board for assignments i had to there you go so very nice. Well, thanks again to Tim Murray for joining us, giving his expertise, hopefully helping us all win a little money. Enjoy the memorial this week. Everybody stay safe, and we'll see you back here next week for episode nine.